Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. So look, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. The content of today's episode has the potential to be transformational in your life and in your chances at success in everything that you do. I feel courageous to open with a statement like that because much of what I'll be sharing with you today has been present in my life over the last several years, but has been described to me and implemented in a new way based on some incredible interaction I had last week with a man named Raymond Pryor. Raymond is a peak performance counselor for PGA Tour golfers, for major motion picture actors, for people who need to perform at their best when it matters. He has a PhD in sports and exercise psychology, and he will tell you that his job is to help you physically and intellectually prepare to succeed in a given moment, but even more so, to have yourself in a mental state, something you can totally control to maximize your potential of transferring all of your talents and skills directly into the thing that you're doing. He calls this the flow state, where there is absolutely no gap, no obstruction between you and the thing that you're doing. It is a perfect on-time flow between your abilities and the carrying out of the action. We sometimes call this being in the zone, in the pocket, on top of your game. It doesn't guarantee success, but it guarantees your best opportunity at success. By Raymond's own admission, you can only be in your absolute peak state maybe 10% of the time. But you can be much closer to that, on that end of the spectrum, 100% of the time. This is actually really important to me and to my family, and I'll give you a handful of examples in a moment. But we want to get away from this wildly unpredictable set of outcomes. Maybe I'll be focused and it will go well. Maybe I won't be focused and who knows what will happen. Listen, the variables of your life outside of your own mind are diverse enough. They will produce different outcomes based on things happening around you. But in your mind, in the way that you think, in how you approach that situation, you want to have yourself so mentally prepared that you create the best possible outcome. And again, there is no gap between the preparation you've put in and your ability to pour that directly into the activity. Let me give you five examples early on in this episode that relate to my family, and maybe they will apply to yours as well, but I'm also hopeful that you will come up with several more on your own that are specific to you. Today, my 10-year-old son is in a baseball tournament. 
He's put in hours in the cage, and he knows the exact mechanics to be a great hitter. If he can step up to the plate today, thinking of nothing else but the proper routine and process and exploding on the first strike that he sees, his chances of success are through the roof. But if anything gets into his mind during that very quick process, it can derail the whole thing. My 18-year-old has some very big golf events coming up this summer, some qualifiers for major tournaments. To help prepare for that, we drove to Houston last week to the Hal Sutton Golf Academy, and we spent time with Chase Cooper and Hal Sutton, and it just so happened that Raymond Pryor, the subject of today's content, whose podcast we had listened to on the way down there, was at the facility that day. So Luke and I had the opportunity to really flesh out a lot of what you'll hear in this episode. But here's what it's all supposed to mean. When Luke is on the 18th tee box in a tournament where everything is on the line, to the extent that he can just lean on his preparation, go through his already established process, and stay focused on the immediate activity at hand, in that flow state, ability into activity, some level of success is almost guaranteed. But how many negative thoughts would it take? How much projection forward out of the moment would it take to mishit that golf ball? Not very much. Outside of sports, I've been thinking of this in terms of important or crucial conversations. Have you had any of those lately? Maybe Summer and I are setting down to talk about something concerning which we disagree. We really need this conversation to go well. We need to find our common ground and start building together. If this goes well, it will shape the rest of the night and week. If it doesn't, who knows? Based on what we know about each other, how much we love each other, and what we're trying to build in our home, we have all the tools necessary for it to go well. And if we are both focused and everything we know and feel flows into the words that we say and our body language and how we listen and respond, things definitely will go well. But have you ever had conversations where you really thought it was supposed to go well? All of the tools were there, but somehow it didn't. Something got in the way. Let's identify what those are and remove them. A couple of other examples come to mind. I've been thinking about preaching When I stand up there to preach, to present the truth, I've done the work, I've studied, I have an outline, and it's practiced. And if I can just take all of that and pour it into the words that come out, then good things will happen. But sometimes they don't happen. My mind wanders into some unconstructive territory. I am learning how to eliminate those obstructions. One last example, and then we'll jump into four things that I believe you can use today. Yesterday, my family and I went to worship. A big part of our worship is singing. What would the singing of a congregation be like if we all brought our best abilities, our fullest hearts, and our most unified minds and poured it directly into congregational singing? There were no gaps between what we believe and feel and the words that we were belting out. That song service would be next level and maybe even redefine our idea of worship. But a lot of times, I've left a worship service and couldn't even remember the songs that we sang. 
and don't particularly remember being emotionally entangled in any of them. I had the faith and ability, but internally, I'd let things get in the way. I'm excited about the potential of worship if I can remove those things. Okay, so those are five examples that have been the topic of conversation in my family. Baseball, golf, crucial conversations, preaching, and singing. Maybe you can add some other things, like presentations that you make at work. Pretty much any situation where it is go time, and there is some level of stakes, and everything you've been working towards is ready to produce, those are the things we're talking about where we want peak performance. And a quick side note that begins to delve into some of Raymond's material. You'll know these moments if you feel nerves. Nerves are not a bad thing. They are physiological responses, increased heartbeat, because this moment matters. We feel them when we step up to the plate or when we stand in front of a board meeting. Nerves are statistically a good thing. Some of the most amazing things that you remember from your past were in moments where you were nervous. They represent that something important is happening. But hear me clearly. Nerves are fine. Anxiety is not. Anxiety is not physiological. It is a mental decision to put interruptions between you and the thing that you're doing. Anxiety seeds doubt and fear and makes us less than our best every time. Let's get rid of the anxiety of the moment so that you can be your best. Okay, obstruction number one, the past. How many of us carry the failures of the past into a present activity? It didn't go well before, so it probably won't go well now. I struck out in the last game, which means I'll probably do it again. If I really had the ability to pull off this presentation, I would have done it by now. So maybe I don't. Last week, my sermon was terrible. So maybe I'm just a terrible preacher. I would love to sit down with Summer and us to build something constructively. But a month ago when we tried this, we came out worse than before. So what's different now? So many of us bring negativity from the past into the present activity. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore past failures. If things went badly before, I hope you've made some changes. You learned some things. You have a new strategy. But when it comes time to perform, there can only be the present moment. All of these observations are about focusing on the moment, and dwelling on the past is the number one offender of that. Listen, if things did not go well last time, there was something mentally in between you and the thing you were doing. I don't know what it was back then, but I know what it is now. You are bringing the past into the present as an obstacle between you and peak performance. And just a quick additional note, success in the past can also become a problem in the present. I've done this before. It'll be easy. I don't really have to focus on this conversation because it went well last time. Use the past in your preparation, but leave it out when it's go time. The second point is a lot like it. It's just on the other end of the spectrum. When we're not on time with what we're doing, we're either dwelling on the past or the consequences of the future. If I don't hit this drive down the middle, I'm not going to qualify. If this next phone call goes sideways, we're going to have problems for the next three months. Listen, we don't know what the future is going to hold. There are variables outside of you. There are unpredictabilities. 
But doing your best right now, doing what you know to do and focusing only on success in the moment is your best chance to shape a better future. Sometimes Nick will get up to the plate and do everything right and rip a line drive right into the second baseman's mitt. The last thing I want him doing is getting up to bat next time saying, even if I smoke this, someone will probably catch it. But I wonder if the mistakes a 10-year-old make aren't common in us 40-somethings or wherever you might be. If I don't do well, bad things will happen. Even if I do well, probably bad things will happen. Stop worrying about outcome and translate your best effort into what you're doing. If you want a companion episode to today's material, you can go back to December 6th of 2021. We did an episode called Winning in Mind based on a book written by an Olympian who was a rifle shooter. He said the very best scores he ever got is when he didn't know what his score was and he didn't care where he placed. He just took the right shot at the right moment. And the future took care of itself. And to add a little extra to this future business, this is why sometimes goal setting and staying focused on our goals is not a great thing. If you're always looking forward to that result and you're more concerned with where you're going than the step you're presently taking that can often cause problems. For instance, if the goal seems too far away and you're nowhere near as close as you thought you would be, you may just give up or give a weak effort. Or maybe you get really close to your goal. So you go all in and try to skip steps and leap that last gap and you fall. Stay focused on the swing you're taking, on the song you're singing, on the presentation you're making or the conversation you're having, and you will have done your part to make the future the best it could possibly be. Okay, so those are the easy ones. They'll take practice, but I didn't surprise you with them. The last two may take a bit more contemplation. A major obstacle to peak performance in the moment is what we will call ego awareness. I need to be thinking about the words I'm about to say. I need to be thinking about the thing I'm about to do. But what if instead I'm thinking about what everybody else thinks about it? I'm focused on my ego. How does this look to someone else? I'm on the golf tee. Is someone standing behind me critiquing the way I set up? Is that slight little hitch I have unique in my golf swing going to disappoint the coach who's watching me? Will my dad think less of me if I knock it in the water? This, to me, is enormous This is probably the transformational point for me. In the moment, it is not about me. It is about the thing that I am doing. I want you to imagine any example you might come up with having three main characters. There is you, the one doing the thing. There is the thing itself, whether it's having a conversation or making a presentation. And then there are the people who are viewing it or experiencing it. Any time my mind is derailed by them and what they think of me, what is getting overlooked? If my primary focus is what this is going to mean for me, depending on how it goes, or how they're going to respond, what is being overlooked? In those scenarios, the thing that is not getting the attention is the sermon itself that I'm presenting, or the actual words that I'm using in the conversation that I'm having. 
or to reference the singing, the volume of my singing, or whether or not my hands get raised. Confession time, I am a hand raiser in praying and singing. I love the feeling of the cold air on the palms of my hands, but I do not attend hand-raising churches. So there I am, holding them open down by my sides, conscious of what people will think, how they will respond, or what they will say about me. But what if all that mattered was praising God with my mind and body? How would that affect what I offered to God, the actual thing that I'm doing? And honestly, in all of these categories, when ego is taken out of it, I'm getting pretty excited about what might come. Okay, one more thought for me today, and then Lord willing, you will go out and perform whatever you seek to do in the name of the Lord at your very best. You're not focused on the past, or the results, or your ego, because this moment is important, and you need to do it well. But just be careful lest you make it too important. You want there to be zero obstruction between you and the thing that you are about to do. But you cannot attach your identity to the thing that you're about to do. Luke walked through a scenario at the academy the other day where he'd missed a bunch of putts outside of 10 feet. And near the end of the round, he had a birdie putt of around 10 feet. And he told himself, I have to make this. And Raymond said, that was a mistake. It is an important putt. You need to focus on it, process it well, and execute at your best. But it's just a putt on the 12th hole. If you make it, it doesn't mean you're the best. If you miss it, it doesn't mean you're the worst. Your identity isn't tied to it. Your future isn't tethered to it. Your faith is not determined by it. Connect yourself to the moment and do well. But don't Shackle yourself to the moment as some grand indicator of who you are. In other words, there are very few moments that make or break your life, but your life has many smaller, important moments wherein if you can just stay there and do that, it can add up to great things. A bunch of crucial conversations determine the outcome of your marriage, not just one, whether good or bad. So we are eliminating a lot of that language like, I must make this putt, or I have to preach this sermon well. And instead, this is just another opportunity to do my best. So listen, take some time this week and determine upcoming events in your life. Get excited about what can happen when you are perfectly connected with the thing that you're about to do. No past, no future, no ego, no life or death just a really great moment to stay fully present and connected and take your preparation and put it optimistically and directly into practice as you enjoy the flow state. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.